Hey, welcome to the beach. This is the special edition of the Unqualified Scholar, where we talk about things related to Shoreline Church. And I'm here with my good friend Adam, who joined me at National Conference. Thank so, you for that. Yeah, nice welcome. introduction. Appreciate you. <laughs> um, so that's uh, we just got back from National Conference. It was a good time. Um, what was anything stood out to you right off the bat? Uh, I think the biggest thing was it was bigger than I expected. Oh. Uh, Think of small little Carver, Ohio, and Shoreline that's been here. We're coming up on 40 years. Um, and the biggest thing, I just, it was very well put together, I thought. It was mm. very, uh, there's a lot of, it's in our name, United. There's a lot of people there that knew a lot of each other and mm. introductions. And I saw quite a few people there that I knew. Uh, and I just thought that was very cool just to see the connections yeah um, from across the denomination so it really is um <clears throat> like i i there's a friend of mine who was there who i know from being in ministry gosh 20 years ago you know and we both kind of found a home in the, in the united brethren denomination uh, he's the pastor of a church up in michigan he's a good guy so yeah those, those connections are a big part of conference and making those connections um, one of the things that the conference is, because as I sat down and thought about it, you know, why <clears throat> why would a person who's just sitting in a pew, or, or not a pew, not we don't have pews, sitting in a chair at Shoreline Church, why would they care about um, this conference, right? And one of the things is that it's our connection to a larger network of people, um, and and that's where, like, in that conference... It's the uh, ordained elders of the church, and then each church sends a lay delegate. So you have delegates and elders getting together, and what they do is they revise the discipline. So I know this sounds like like administrative excitement stuff, right? Does this wind your clock at all? Oh, man, that was a... Yeah, the revise the discipline. It was. It even says it on the front page of the, the, the download, the report, and uh, it was just very... You know, followed parliamentary procedure. It was mm -hmm. very bishop. Did I think, with my first experience, did a very good job of just keeping that moving through. And uh, but it was very structured. Very. It was, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the bishop uh, does a great job. So the bishop, like, if you if you're not part of a connected network of churches, you know, if you're an independent church and you're like, whoa, they have a bishop. It's like, yeah, his name is Todd Fetters. He's a really good guy. He's really very down to earth. Um, when I was at Pathway Church, he uh, basically he was just coming through, and he was like, "Hey, I want to stop by and sit and talk to you." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. Uh, what did I do? <laughs> what did I wrong? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I guess this is the end, right?" <laughs> and I was shocked because he came and he spent about three or four hours, and we just we just talked. I mean, and it wasn't forced, and it wasn't. I mean, we didn't have any. We were on the edge of talking about some some ways to move the church forward as a church that hadn't quite gotten to that level yet, but we talked about some of that and he had great insights. He's real, real good at asking questions mm -hmm. and real good at helping the, the network, the connected network of churches. So revising the discipline is sort of the, the discipline is sort of the definition of what it looks like to be a UB person. Mm -hmm. um, and that I think is really important. I ask people about once a year, I'll say, Hey everybody, let's read the discipline, you know, and, um, it's not quite devotional in nature, um, but I think it's important to know, you know, when a situation in life comes up, 
what does the church believe and teach about that situation? Yeah, and I can honestly say until I don't know if I've ever heard the phrase revised or the discipline with mm. respect to the United Brethren denomination up until this time last year mm-hmm. or uh, you know September of last year when and you actually read the discipline didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I went through and read it. I thought I think it's important. <laughs> Uh, and maybe it's just as I hit 40, I just start looking at things a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like li- your life change, my, yeah, midlife my, crisis, yeah, I should you know, probably you read the discipline. Freaking out about crazy stuff <laughs> and uh, figure I need to put that on my list of things I've done. Right. Uh, but, you know, as just a member of a uh, of a a portion of this denomination, and, you know, granted we're all connected with, through our, our connection with Jesus Christ, but... As United Brethren Church members, I think it's important you know other you know what you're connected to. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there, what's the point? Right. I mean, yes, we all love God. We all want, want to make um, grow other people and spread that spread that message around. But we we're doing it within the confines and with the connection of this United Brethren denomination. And mm. I don't know if that I've even ever considered what that actually means. It's it, what mm. the practices of being in that denomination is. So. I think that's where, like for me, <clears throat> you know, you as a pastor, you're trying to grow the church. And you want new people to come in, and I remember somebody came into um, <clears throat> our, to Pathway, and they were um, they were not UB people, and they had a particular thing that they felt like we should do more of. Okay, so if you're if you're a church person, you're like, oh, they wanted more you know, charismatic stuff. And, and that's what it was. It was, they, they felt like oh, we should be more open to, you know, tongues and healings mm-hmm. and stuff. And so it's like, look, I'm, I do believe that God heals. Um, I think there are rules in scripture about tongues. And if you follow the rules, I, I don't have anything to offend. You know, that's not something that we can, mm-hmm. you know, uh, quibble about because it's in the Bible, but that's really not who we are as a denomination. We love Jesus. We're excited, but we're not that excited. And so since we have, you know, single digits of followers, I'm not too afraid of you know, saying that. But, um, And so they ended up going somewhere else. And it's like, if you need to go somewhere else because you fit better there, that's fine. But I like that the discipline sort of sets some lines for us. Yeah. This is who we are. This is how we engage each other. So um, when it comes to representation, I'm, I'm an ordained elder in the Church of the United Brethren in Christ. I don't I don't often walk around with reverend on my sleeve, um, but you know, people. Some people will say, "What am I supposed to call you?" I say, "Todd." Um, <clears throat> when I need to be Pastor Todd, you know, then uh, I'll we'll draw those lines. But uh, so I'm an ordained elder in the church, and you functioned as our lay delegate. And from my understanding, the lay delegate really represents the interests of Shoreline Church at that national conference. Mm-hmm. And so I think you did a did a fine job doing that. I did. I didn't coach you on how to vote on any of these. No, no, absolutely not. You, you said that this was what my responsibility was, and you know, if you feel like voting in this this respect for this way, then go for it. I mean, that's yeah. that's your prerogative, and that's you have the, which was I appreciated that. You could very easily can see how that you have some people that come along as lay delegates who maybe don't know what they're in for, and yeah. could be influenced by an ordained elder who has maybe a different mindset or sure. a, wants to see a certain agenda pushed or certain people put on in certain positions. But 
there's an, an incredible diversity among uh, UB pastors. You know, there are some guys who are more charismatic. There are some guys who are much more conservative. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and so, like, some of the issues get pretty contentious. Mm. Um, this this particular issue, we talked about the report from the Human Reproduction Task Force, which I was thankfully not named to. <laughs> um, and we, we one of the things that we did do is we did reports from the various... Um, national office people who do things, right? So I serve on the Michigan Pastoral Ministries Leadership Team. We work to um, to interview and approve candidates for uh, licensing. So we license ministers, and on that team, we're looking for um, like theology and those kind of things, and somebody's theology maybe a little too far outside the lane, something that we're not really comfortable with. Uh, and we do a lot of coaching and, and correcting on the way to approval. Um, <clears throat> but there's a national pastoral ministries licensing team, the big PMLT. Um, I once tried to get on the BLT, but apparently that's not a thing. So we listened to those reports. Then we also had some leadership team elections and our friend, Tim Sherman, mm who's down at uh, Bethel Church, he was elected to the ELT, which is the executive leadership team. They sort of work with the bishop. So there's all these acronyms. It's like being in the army, and there's all these different teams that do all the different <laughs> things. There's the HELT, which is the higher education leadership team, mm-hmm. So, uh, but no BLT. I spent a good, good 10, 15 minutes just trying to get myself, okay, what acronym are they going for this time? Okay, right, got yeah. it. And then you hear it down there, and like, okay, got to remind myself, ELT, executive, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Probably everybody's favorite report was from Marcy Hamill. Oh, I appreciated Marcy. <clears throat> yeah, the finance director. Yeah. She's Marcy is very straightforward. She's like, here's what came in, here's what went out. Yeah, it was very anti-fluff, which I I appreciated yeah. just being doing what I coming from my um my industry where I work in and I work in a credit union, so numbers are up there for me and Hers was very, let's go, let's go, let's read mm-hmm. through it. This is their numbers, they're black and white. And then we could debate later how those influence people and that type of thing. So so one of the things that we did is we revised the discipline. Um, <clears throat> and um, th- there were a number of proposals from the Human Reproduction Task Force um, and it started with you know things that were relatively uncontroversial. So definition of a family, mm-hmm. they wanted to make sure that they allowed for um, you know we, we we want to define a family, and this is the nuclear family, you know, uh, man, woman, children. Um, but we also want to recognize that there are some situations where you may have a, a an adult man who's got his kids and he's not married and maybe doesn't even want to be married. Mm-hmm. Um, or the same thing's true of a woman. And so they wanted to make sure that we in, we were inclusive in those definitions. And so that that passed without much discussion. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine this is a room full of people who talk for a living <laughs> and um, <clears throat> with parliamentary procedure. <laughs> you know, you have the proposal in front of you. And um, they say, you know, okay, so in this proposal, um, is there a motion to approve? And then someone will say... Somebody, so, somebody, somebody you know, from the gallery, somebody from in Some, the middle of nowhere will sure say, so moved, you know, and then somebody, uh, they'll ask, is there support? Is there support? You know, and then there's like four or five guys are going to support. Um, <laughs> but th- this was relatively uncontroversial. 
it talked about expectations of ministers and one of the big changes there. Um, uh, Rather than, um, they they want us to be careful with members of the opposite sex, right? Mm -hmm. And so they wanted to revise that. They should be wise managers of their time and above reproach in their relationships with all people. So it's like, doesn't matter if you're man, woman, we mm-hmm. should be careful in our relationship so that we're not accused of anything or that we do anything inappropriate. And that's like, there's different layers of that. Mm-hmm. And we have the local guiding principles that um, govern my behavior with respect to people. We have a governance team that um, uh, it's not just me, it's anybody who is the senior pastor of the organization has a set of responsibilities in, in the way that he deals with people. And he has a team of people who would come alongside and say, hey, you're doing it wrong. But <clears throat> even above that, there's the discipline that doesn't allow you to be abusive towards people. Proposal 3, geographic organization. <sighs> oh, this is, yeah, this is the one I wasn't going to talk about. 33 one, the beginning of life. So anyway, that was the, the editorial revisions. This is 33 one, the beginning of life, which was pretty uncontroversial. We believe that life begins at conception, you know, and that's, <clears throat> I realize there are a lot of people who want to debate that. We believe from scripture that life begins at conception. Um, and, and that's where like, uh, but we also believe in family planning, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not, um, those people down the street that, um, don't even want you to prevent conception. Mm-hmm. We're okay with that. Um, proposal 33.3 was about adoption and foster care. Um, again, just kind of defining the family and trying to help people understand that. And then we get to, oh gosh, infertility, assisted reproduction, proposal 33.6. <clears throat> and this we one- We camped here for a bit. We were here for a little while. Because um, this is the pro- this is the proposal about how to word our statement about abortion, mm-hmm. believing that life begins at conception. Um, we are not in favor of any form of birth control <clears throat> that comes after conception. Mm-hmm. And this was, you know, what were some of the things that people had questions about? Uh, I think the biggest one that I took away was. <clears throat> Abortion assumes a um, is gen- has a general negative connotation towards the baby. Mm. I mean, it is a it is something that is done to prevent life from uh, the baby from continuing life. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people were getting hung up on making sure that in the language of the proposal that we were we were being we were trying to be clear about not having to choose. Right, right. And which I, I I wish I remember the guy who said it at the end. It's like, hey, listen, this is already about this decision. And how can we make this decision? How can we word this pr- proposal to where um, this is not an easy topic? This is not yeah. something that is good. And we have to rely on God for his guidance and his wisdom. And, and as they go through these, have to make these decisions. Mm. And um it was just, it was very interesting to see, and you kind of, I, I think you said it to me without actually telling me what was going to happen. Just like, you're going to see people who are going to talk just for the sake of talking yeah. and they're going to continue to talk and they're going to continue to bring up things. And it got very granular. I, I appreciated the fact that people are very passionate about this topic. I'm passionate about this topic. Sure. I think as uh, evangelical Christians, 
um, especially considering the society we're in today. Um, this is not an easy topic to talk right. about. And it's, you know, but I think that we have a duty to God. God created life. He created man yeah. and woman in his own image. And I think God, uh, having children has been a blessing in my wife and I's life. Mm-hmm. We've been through the well, loss of pregnancy. So, too. so far. So, so far, far. Yeah. right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. When they're tired, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, but we've also been through the the part of having a family, creating a family where it's not so fun because yeah. we've we've been through a couple of miscarriages. Mm-hmm. We've been through all that, and so, and it's also has to deal with God's grace and mm-hmm. God forgives, and you can find restoration in mm-hmm. God. We talked that a little bit this morning at church. Yeah. Uh, Sarah talked about that this morning. So, I, I just think that it's. This is a heavy subject. It's very yeah. heavy. There's a lot of gravity to it, and mm. um, I appreciate that we were. There were several people there. Whether or not you agreed with their recommendation to add a word in here or mm. change some of the the take a word out or something like that, I right. appreciate the fact that there are a lot of people who are very passionate about. Oh yeah, protecting life, uh, both for the woman and the child. So. Yeah, I think that's where <clears throat> you know. So this this is not a policy statement about politics, mm-hmm. right? This is not, hey, we're we're pro-life. You know, yeah, we're we're all for the life of both people. Mm-hmm. Right? We're for the life of the moms, we're for the life of babies. We recognize, and that's where the statement really does. It says, look, this this is hard, mm-hmm. you know, and anyone who is a Christian and a UB person, if they make that decision, we respect that they made that decision at a time of just incredible emotion and gravity and consideration. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's where I really appreciate that the statement wrestles with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was, oh, maybe it was 21 or 17 in our conference where we talked about, um, like, the... Um, Gosh, how do you even say it? Um, gender dysphoria and um, people who deal with um, sexual uh, desires for the same-sex attraction, those kind mm-hmm. of things. We really wrestled as a group to say we love people, mm-hmm. period. And I think that's what the proposal about abortion says is, look, if you're a mom, we love you. And if you're a baby, we love you. And we recognize that this thing is a mess. You know, it's like trying to unravel a knot. And so if you are a person who has had an abortion, I think that this is desiring to speak compassion and love and forgiveness where that's necessary to you as a person. Or if you're an abortion doctor, you know, if you have had to perform an abortion because you sincerely believed it was to save the life of the mother. There, there is grace and kindness. You, you made that decision at the most difficult time and in the most careful manner. We're going to believe that, you know, as best we can in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really appreciate how, how the discipline wrestles with the dignity of human life and the dignity of the human person, while at the same time saying without compromise... We believe certain things, mm-hmm. you know. We don't believe that abortion is an appropriate means of birth control, you know. That that would be the the thing that you shouldn't do. 
But I think the challenge that it puts forth for us as a church is that if a woman decides to carry uh, a child to term, but then for some reason can't take care of it, we as the church should be the ones that step forward and say, we will. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where maybe we didn't say it quite so much in the discipline, but I certainly hope that's in our hearts. Um, so I like the statement. It's not past, It's not political. It's pastoral. How do I help people? And this is for me as a pastor, right? How do I help people when they are making such decisions? I had someone come to me one time. This is years ago. Um, this person, they had had sex, and um, uh, the birth control method failed, or at least uh, one of the birth control methods failed, and she was terrified. And so she went and got the day after pill on her way to have coffee with me. And then while we had coffee, she said, is this okay? And in my mind, I'm thinking, you've already taken the pill. And so I, I sort of appealed to, we don't know if you're pregnant or not, right? And that's tough, right? But she'd already made a decision. She had already done something. Um, she didn't know that she was pregnant. And so I said, God loves you, you know, and God, if there's forgiveness necessary, God forgives you, mm-hmm. you know. But I know for me, um, this is, and the, the, there's another story that goes back to when um, Ruth Ann and I were quite a bit younger back in the day. <laughs> um, and, and we were on our way to Missionary Bible College. And so she went for an appointment and found out she was pregnant. And it was like, oh, wow. Um, they already knew we were coming to Bible college. They already knew that we had two kids and it was like, well, okay, I guess we'll show up and have another kid, you know? Um, unfortunately she lost, she lost the baby, but, um, yeah, I think that that's those examples like that, those things that happen in life, we wrestle to say that we love you, Mm -hmm. but we also want to hold out that standard that we're, some things are not appropriate methods of birth control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was fascinated. I actually have a book um, somewhere. Maybe it's not on that bookshelf. Um, <clears throat> but I was surprised to find out. Okay, let's do it this way. I'll ask you a question. When in history did it become possible to interrupt a pregnancy? If I had the Jeopardy theme song, I would play that right now. I feel like there's two answers to this. It's either thousands of years ago or it's 50 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. I don't <clears> think there's any. You got to pick one. I'll go 50 years ago. 50 years ago. Sorry. Roman physicians in the first century <laughs> could reliably terminate a pregnancy up to about seven months without endangering the life of the mother. This is the first century. So this, this is an ancient issue for us. And actually, actually, if a baby was born and the parents didn't feel like they could take care of it, this is not so much in the Jewish population, right? Because the people of Israel were very passionate. They were excited about having kids. They were very pro-children. Some of the Roman women, some of the Greek women, if the baby was not what they were hoping for, they would practice what's called infant exposure. They would take the baby and just leave them. And the baby won't survive, you know. 
And so what Christians did in the first century and even after, they're the ones... Well, and, and babies could be picked up, right? If you saw a baby on the side of the road, you could pick it up and keep it. <laughs> Look what I found, Mom. Yeah, it's like you bring it, you take it home to your wife. It's like, hey, I found a baby. And you're like, okay, well, what are we going to do with it? Well, let's feed it, raise mm-hmm. it, you know, train it, and it can, you know, work for us, you know, as a, as a servant or a slave. That, mm-hmm. that is a possible option for a baby that was exposed. And you could even argue that which is better, to die of exposure or to live a life as a slave. You know, Roman slavery was quite a bit different than the American slavery we're accustomed to. Um, slaves could own property. Slaves could do all kinds of things in the in the in the first century. Um, so that that to me was like it, it was eye opening, you know, because this isn't something that you know, and a lot of it is herbal, and you know, you can go back and you. <laughs> When you read some of the recipes <laughs> for um, things that would interrupt a pregnancy, I think crocodile poop was one of the things that you needed to. Why not? Yeah, because, you know, anyway. Uh, but that it was a thing, you know, there was a way to interrupt pregnancies even back then. And so I think, um, yeah, anyway, that's your daily trivia for the moment. <laughs> And so then we had like the rest of the conference and you were, so the, the mandatory portion, the portion that the ordained elders and lay delegates are required to be there for is Wednesday, the business session. So you saw Dr. Kim on Tuesday night, you yeah. saw church. How was church on Tuesday night? I thought it was fantastic. I thought the worship band I, from a church in Pennsylvania, I believe, I think they were fantastic. Oh yeah. Um, I thought it was really cool how there was a call just to re- remember your baptism mm. Um, they had stations that had just water that you can go up and wash your hands in and just remember how that time of, which is very, I think I might, I don't know if I leaned over to you and said, if you're going to do this, go first, (laughs) you know, because you're going to, you're dipping your hands in this water with a whole bunch of other people. It's sort of like taking communion out of the same cup. Uh, It's pre-COVID. Number one, it better be wine. Number two, uh, go first. Yeah. So that was very cool, especially just given how we just went through baptisms at church couple weeks ago um and then communion together was very cool Uh, they had the little snack packs that we have yeah Mm -hmm. which is uh, oh we're we're out we're done we're we're not going back we're going moving on from the snack packs um the the worship i thought was really good i i felt it was not um i really thought it was cool when they the the guitarist and the two singers stood on the stage and faced yeah, the front that was different. It very is very much not about the performers, but it was about the music and stuff mm. like that. And I thought Dr. Kim's message was uh, very cool as well. Just really just re- refraining, um, what was it? Re uh, re uh, reaffirming their focus or re- reframing, reframing, reframing yeah. so sort of reframing your focus. Like yeah. there's this theological truth mm. in the world that is very different. Yeah, and, and so how you do you balance those feel. two yeah. uh, realities, refra- reframing your reality? Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it was very cool. He's, what, the director of the National Evangelical Association. Yep. So <clears throat> National uh, Association, NAE, National Association mm-hmm. of Evangelicals. Uh, yeah, Dr. Kim was great. Uh, his message was good. A uh, little, little more content-oriented than mm-hmm. some. So, I mean, he that which appeals to me, right? Sure. Like, I, I want some content, something I can sink my teeth into. Mm-hmm. And so Dr. Kim was great. Um the, the worship was like really, truly next level. I mean, it had all the lights and the, I don't, did they have a well, fog machine going? I, I thought I smelled some fog, but yeah. um, maybe that was just a practice thing and they got yeah. it out of the way. But it was a little production-y just from my preference. But sure. I think that there is a time, I mean, you have to remember, also remember who the audience of the right. 
it was a room full of pastors and lay delegates and their yeah. families. And so yeah. there is a, I, I just very cool to see that, how that went. And yeah. um, that's what it looks like when a bunch of pastors goes to church, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah um, exactly. No, I, so um, <clears throat> I'm not a super expressive worshiper. Like mm. I've talked about this before. If you see me tapping my feet, I'm having a good time. Mm. Right. I had a really good time. I mean, it was it was great to metaphorically let my hair down and just uh, relax a little bit and enjoy enjoy going to church mm-hmm. without having any responsibilities sure. for anything that happens in the building or around the the service. I mean, even today. So I I didn't preach today. Sarah preached and she did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, you know, if I'm in the building, I'm responsible, mm-hmm. you know, for things that happen. I was actually in nursery today, which was amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, and, the, and then the rest, so that was uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday was the last day that delegates were required to be there. Um, and of course, you have a job, so you went yeah. back to work. Um, I stayed the week. And it was it was refreshing for me. Uh, they did some educational sessions on Thursday morning. And they didn't, uh, for this is the first time we didn't really have a good base of child care volunteers. Mm. So I ended up with a nine-year-old. <laughs> so my wife was much more interested in the educational sessions, and she had a good time. She she was able to connect and hobnob a little bit. <clears throat> I watched the kid, and um, was actually able to connect with another pastor's uh, family. You know, their mm. kids were there. It was the same situation. So mom's out in the hallway watching the kids, and so we just struck up a conversation. Mm. Turns out her husband is in our cluster. Okay. So it's not Tim Sherman; it's Andre Laird and his wife Christy. So we just chatted. And it was really, it was really good because you know you're making these connections with people mm. who are close by, mm. and those connections are important. Um, the, Ruth Ann said the educational sessions were good. Um, we went back, well, she went back uh, <laughs> Wednesday night to go to church again, mm-hmm. and I took Zeke to the pool, my grandson. Um, but and then Friday uh, was the final session, and during that final session, uh, they did ordinations, which were really good, and a message from the bishop. And so, I mean, like overall, um, one of the things that I, I don't know if I've really said anything about this yet, but connecting with people who've been in ministry a long time and connecting with guys who, like as pastors, they're going through some things, you know, um, me as a human being, there's things in my personal life that I'm going through, um, and that's true for everybody. But then also uh, some of my pastor friends they're really going through some some dark times, you know, and they still are being faithful. They're still doing uh, their their ministries and their jobs. They still are passionate and love the Lord, but they're taking some hits. Mm. And I really feel like, um, you know, one of my friends, just there's some things going on in his marriage, you know, and that he's married. And where does the pastor go when he's got things going on in his marriage? One of my friends, he's got a kid um, who's going through some things, some mental health level things. So not like the normal kid stuff, but like the normal kid stuff on steroids. And we we have experienced that, my wife and I. And so I was able to just uh, go out with him and sit down and have a good conversation and you know let him cry on my big broad shoulders and and it, you know it was good. He listened to me. I listened to him. It was it was therapy, man. It was really good. I was able to connect with um, <clears throat> some people I didn't know. I actually was able to see most of uh, Shoreline's former pastors. Um, yeah. Um, actually, this this weekend I saw Bill Blue, but he wasn't at conference. I saw Randy Carpenter. You connected with Randy again? Yeah, it was a. If I learned anything about Shoreline's place in the United Denomination, United Brethren Denomination, is that we are well connected. 
Uh, oh, we yeah. have a very connected past. Uh, I saw Randy Carpenter, who was very formative growing, for me growing up. I mean, he was at Shoreline when I was there in high school and um, just very was a younger pastor and very connected, very, uh, you know, involved in the sports and stuff in high school and stuff like that. So I got to connect with Randy. I saw Don, Don Gentry, who was a youth pastor at Shoreline. He's He's working with a, a different company. Saw so his wife was there. Uh, Steve and Kim Fish were there. Mm. Um, and then certainly Tim Sherman, who you mentioned. Um, and Lee and I have a connection with Tim. Just he married us. And then you certainly a lot of the Main Street people that uh, we went to Main Street for a little bit mm -hmm. while we were in college and connected with some of those guys and actually saw one of them Saturday morning. I'm on the pl a planning team for our men's retreat in September. Oh, nice. And so Jeff Burson at Main Street has kind of been the lead on that. And so we got to talk a little bit about the conference mm -hmm. there. Uh, but it's it's incredible how Greg Voigt saw Greg and mm -hmm. um, didn't get to talk to him, but got to see him a little bit. And, and certainly the connection between uh, Todd Fetters mm -hmm. and, and that through Shoreline and his mm -hmm. brother is the bishop and oh that's Luke Fetters or Luke Fetters Luke I'm Fetters, sorry yeah. Todd, yeah. Todd is the bishop Luke Fetters and th that yeah. connection there um, so it's incredible just you think little Shoreline Oak Harbor Ohio it's mm -hmm. like there's we're kind of just out here by ourselves but really within that denomination there is a, a lot of connection to oh yeah to to the greater group and I thought that was incredible and that's that's important I think you know um, <clears throat> like the reason that you found me is not because you did a national job search and had to look through a big pile of resumes. Mm -hmm. It's because the bishop is the one who says, hey, I think this is the right church for you, and church, I think this is the right pastor for you. And I Absolutely. think uh, I'm so thankful for that. I met Steve, Steve Fish, mm -hmm. uh, for the first time. Uh, I've invited all those guys to our 40th anniversary, which we're going we're gonna to have a good time, mm -hmm. and a potluck. So uh, if you know any of these old pastors, I think uh, come on out. We'll have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, conference for me was refreshing. I think that's a word that I wrote down. Um, I think for Ruth Ann, Ruth Ann is the extrovert who goes around and she meets, <laughs> she meets people and it's weird. She, she'll walk up to him and it's like, hi, what's your name? And it's like, don't do that. <laughs> um, I did do that to you with Marty though. You did. You did. <laughs> oh, you killed me because I was like, oh, that's Marty Pennington. I've got to meet him. And like, in my mind, I was just saying, okay, I got to make sure I, I've connect, made this connection. Well, Adam jumps up from the table because he knows Marty and he's like, Hey Marty, come over here and meet Todd. So I go over, <laughs> I go over and uh, like I'm suddenly I have to be the extrovert meet people pastor and oh this is terrible. We'll talk about that later. I'm an extrovert with if I know you. If I don't know yeah. you, I'll sit yeah. in my car like I did before conference and yeah <laughs> and, and take a 20 minute nap and watch some YouTube videos and do that and wait Perfect. for the people I know like to get there. Day. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like a good day. Well, hey Adam, thanks so much for coming out. I really appreciate you. Uh, Anytime. You know, uh, Oh, wait, let's do it this way. All right, and then we fade it out. All right, I'm still learning my equipment. But, um, so, yeah, it was it was a good time. Appreciate you functioning as our lay delegate. Um, next conference is going to be 2025, so mm. a big round number. That would be good. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> All right, well, this has been The Beach, special edition of the Unqualified Scholar Podcast. Have a great day.